It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. The Raptors win what might go down as the biggest regular season game of the season against the Cavaliers on Thursday night. Pascal Siakam explodes, and we'll talk about why OG Ananobi's return really helped that happen. Plus, Armani Brooks, is he here to stay? Is he here to join the Rafer Alston Memorial Hall of Fame of Raptors 10-day guys? We will have all of that and so much more on today's episode of Locked on Raptors. Thanks for being here. Oh, like, because when I shot, I expected to make it. So, like, I don't shoot kind of this. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to episode number 1146 of Locked On Raptors for Friday, March the 25th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter as always, at WoodleySean. You can find the show at Locked On Raptors, where you can find links to every single episode of the podcast, little video recaps as well from time to time. Plus, you can go and subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts and all the different audio apps for the low, low price of On the House. You can rate, review, subscribe, follow. There's all the different things you can do to support those shows on those apps, so please go do it. Also, go to YouTube. You can hit the big red subscribe button, help us out, join the uh, community of people who have really taken to the video version of the show as well. It's much appreciated when you check it out. All right, on today's show, which is, of course, your first listen of the day. Thank you for making it so. We are going to dive into the Raptors win over the Cavaliers 117-104, that is, last night. A very, uh, like, thrilling game to watch. I was in the house. I was in the building at, uh, at the ACC, whatever we're calling it now. It's the Scotty Barnes Arena. That's right. Shout out to Faisal Kamisa for coining it. The SBA is now Scotty Barnes Arena. But last night, it was the Siakam Balls Out Arena or something like that, if we're looking for other SBA puns. Uh, it was a really incredible night from Pascal Siakam. It was another one of these games against the Cavs, which I've kind of talked about all season long. Even though they haven't played at full health together, it feels like you're kind of on the ground floor of one of the NBA's great rarities, which is a rivalry that people care about. Uh, you know, there's not enough like heat or like tension between these two teams just yet. They're both young and green and still kind of getting their sea legs. But you get the sense that this is going to be a titan battle for the next, you know, five, six, seven, eight years in the Eastern Conference, which is pretty awesome. However, it was not the Scotty Barnes, Evan Mobley duo, the tete-a-tete there that was the story of this game. It was Pascal Siakam, the way he closed out. And more so, I think, it was the return of OG Ananobi. I'm going to dive into why I thought his return was so valuable to the team, dig into what the guys were saying after the game as well about his return. Uh, plus, we'll do the box score notes as we usually do, run through the other guys who chipped into this game and offer some thoughts, I think, on the way this team's kind of coalescing. We've got a due to the game to hand out as well. But let's begin with the OG return and how it fed into a 35-point, five-rebound, six-assist night from Pascal Siakam. Look, 
a lot of this was just Siakam doing his thing. The fourth quarter, he comes in. He gets a nice bit of rest, actually, because Fred Van Vliet with a bench crew uh, ended up expanding the lead after the start of the fourth quarter. Pascal comes in, and he uh, immediately just sizes up Lowry Marketing about seven or eight times in a row and finds buckets pretty much at will, whether for himself or for others. He you know, backed him down, had a nice little turnaround. He drove into Marketing's chest, hit Scotty Barnes on a cut where he finished through contact. He, of course, got fouled on an and one by Marketing. He hit a couple threes. He had the dunk and transition from OG. It was just like a really scintillating last few minutes of Pascal Siakam in this one, like a real sort of crunch tie. All right, we're just going to take out the daggers and start throwing them type of game from him. And look, a lot of that was him and just his own shot creation and his own sort of belief in his own pull-up game. He talked after the game about wanting to expand his three-point percentage, not percentage, but just like the overall number of looks he's taking to kind of diversify where his shots are coming from and he went six of seven from downtown it was a pretty bloody impressive night from Siakam all told but again back to OG he of course returns last night for the first time since the all-star break and I've talked a lot about how badly they've missed him and the elements that he's been missing and I think you know for anyone who's kind of on the well OG's kind of stagnated this year he hasn't really taken the leap that everyone kind of pinned on him with their highest hopes and dreams I think last night was a really good example of why OG Ananobi is still just like an incredibly valuable basketball player specifically to this Raptors team because of the stuff that they lack. There's no next man up when OG Ananobi goes out of the lineup. There's no one you can just kind of throw in there to replicate his skills because he's an otherworldly defender, one of the best wing defenders alive who can switch across basically every position, guard from you know small guards to Nikola Jokic and everything in between. Plus, he's a very, very good three-point shooter, essentially a 40% knockdown guy, which the Raptors, of course, have in short supply, specifically when Gary Trent Jr. is not available. And I think last night, you know, you saw the return of OG. Without that, I don't think they have the game they had last night, where they go 16 of 37 from downtown. They actually got attempts up, which they have not done a lot lately when they've been missing their shooters. And I was really impressed that they were able to win this game, considering they came in at 2-8 and eight without Gary Trent Jr. so far this season, just completely offensively inept without him on the floor, more or less, all year long. And that's the OG effect. You know, the spacing he offers, I mean, in the first quarter, he had two back-to-back corner threes he took right on the same possession, I think, by Siakam, uh, setting them both up, if I'm not mistaken. Um, it's It was a blur. It was a really fun game last night. It all kind of melts together. <laughs> but, you know, he, he took those early looks. And just you can see the defense has to worry about his three-point shooting. They have to take that extra step towards him. And any extra step you're taking towards a shooter is extra room for Pascal Siakam to operate which was really important against a team like the Cavs, that is huge. The early part of this game, the Raptors started out pretty rough. You know, they weren't really running stuff through Siakam. It was a lot of Fred Van Vliet, Kev Birch actions early on, and they were really feeling the length of Evan Mobley and Kevin Love and Lowry Markkinen across that, you know, 3-4-5 in the starting five. You know, Isaac Okoro is also like a really excellent defender. That dude is mean, and there were a couple of moments in the game last night where there was like the configuration of the floor was essentially Mobley and Okoro on the strong side where the ball was you had Love and Markinen and Garland kind of up top but then Love and Markinen kind of on the other side of the floor and the Raptors decided you know what we're going to attack the side of the floor where Mobley and Okoro are 
And that was dumb. They got away from that and they really became like a very Siakam centric team for much of this game. And it was possible again, because OG is out there as an extra spacing option, as an extra guy who can do something off of a kick out and doesn't necessarily have to be a catch and shoot guy. He can also put it on the deck. He can drive into the chest of guys. He had a couple of opportunities to pull up from mid range. Uh, and it was just like a really refreshing thing to see. And it's not just Siakam that OG Ananobi helps, right? I mean, defensively, you can kind of see all the parts just kind of fall back into place when he's back in there on his throne as the best Raptors defender. You know, he obviously is like, you know, he's great with, you know, Hawk and steals. He's great with the length when you need to send doubles and things like that. But I think the thing they've been really missing, and I've talked about this a little bit when it comes to Scotty Barnes and his defense, is the on-ball defense against slippery guards. The Raptors have really struggled with those guys lately, particularly, you know, you think even James Harden, you know, Zach Levine, uh, you know, kind of go back. Like, all of these kind of fast, tricky guards have been really too much for guys like Scotty Barnes to handle in space. OG comes in and offers a bit of a guy who can spell Fred Van Vliet. We know how good Fred is, but of course he's not 100% right now. OG can come in, he can switch on to Darius Garland and completely neutralize a possession in a way that nobody else in the Raptors' defensive core can. And that is such a valuable thing to have, especially when last night, for example, in the third quarter, Darius Garland starts getting cooking after a really rough first half for him. He only had five points in the first half, if I recall. Uh, he had like eight in the first six minutes of the second half. But they were able to slow him down because there were more possessions where OG would switch out. And, you know, Scotty Barnes was getting in the action as well. He had a big steal on Garland, too. And that was nice to see. But that's a one-off type thing. More often than not, Scotty Barnes is getting blown by by a guy like Garland. And you're forcing your back line of the defense to really kind of save the day. You don't really need that when OG is just sort of swallow dudes up. And that's just, it's a lovely thing to see. I don't think he's 100%. He talked about how the finger still hurts whenever he shoots, passes, tries to go for a steal, all that stuff. But it seemed as though it was the kind of thing where it's not going to get worse. The pain tolerance is just going to have to be a thing. Everybody's banged up at this time of year. And having even like an 80% OG Ananobi available for this team is so, so valuable for anyone like thinking about, oh, the success they've had without OG. Maybe they trade him or something like that. No, that's not how it works. Just you have good players. Don't trade them just because you succeed without them for a little while. It's very clear that OG is essential to whatever big plans this team might have within this season if they want to go and surprise a team in the first round, pull off some sort of heroic upset. It's not going to happen without OG Ananobi and his defense and his shooting because it's just there's that much extra room for a guy like Siakam to operate. And honestly, I mean, I, I, I've been thinking about Siakam a lot lately and thinking about how going into the postseason – is what we've seen this season where he's been this completely changed player where he's been an offensive hub from which most good things that the Raptors achieve on offense tend to permeate. Like he has been that reliable. It seems like every time he touches the ball, like 90% of the time, something good is happening, whether it's a look for him, whether it's an open look for somebody else, whether they go down is a different story, of course, but he is putting the Raptors in a position to succeed with the ball in his hands. And I'm curious in the postseason if he can kind of maintain that when things get really tricky. I kind of have a lot of hope for that because most of this season, he's been operating under very difficult circumstances. We talked about this on Thursday's podcast with Samson Folk, 
Like it, it, he's been operating in like, you know, cramped. There's dudes everywhere in the paint kind of blocking his way. He's been forced to bust out the mid range as a weapon to counter all of the bodies he's seeing in that sort of 10 to 12 foot range whenever he starts to make a drive to the rim. And if you have OG and eventually Gary Trent Jr. and Fred VanVleet available, along with all of the other stuff that's happened internally for the Raptors development-wise, I kind of think there's an avenue here for Pascal to really just kind of step into the postseason and not skip a beat because he's been handling double teams all season long. Sure, they're going to come with a little bit more ferocity. They're going to be a little bit more scouted and planned when it's the postseason and teams are going to be able to really kind of gear up and you know specify the angles from which they send them and really sort of dig into, all right, how can we make this guy uncomfortable? But it's been really damn hard to make Pascal Siakam uncomfortable this season, and he's been doing that for long stretches without OG, without Gary Trent Jr. for what, however many games he's missed, 10 or 11 games this season. Obviously, Fred's not been 100%. After that, the shooting has been extremely suspect up and down the roster, and it just seems like the return of OG, along with a couple other things that we're going to get into in the next segment, are seeming to kind of make it so the postseason environment for Pascal while the defense that he's up against might be more difficult, the environment that he's operating in is going to be a lot more easy to navigate. And so I, I don't see there's any reason why Pascal can't continue on with the way he's played. It's not like it was in the bubble, right, where he was so post-up dependent and he didn't really have that playmaking bag just yet where he could counter and, and make plays at, at a situations where it was disadvantageous to him, but he had the gravity to open up shots for others. He has that wherewithal now. He has those, those those inklings and those reads that he can make, and I think it's going to translate quite well. And I think OG's return is a really, really promising thing, considering what we saw last night, considering what we heard Nick Nurse say about it and how, you know, just the mere fact that OG is on the floor, Nurse noted, like, it makes you have to think twice about if you're going to double C Occam, how you're going to double C Occam. It just makes it a, that much more difficult of a, of a calculation for the defense. And so uh, all, all, the return of OG is massive, man. I really, really can't be understated. A good 26 minutes from him last night, 14 points, three assists, two boards. Uh, you know, he was four of eight from downtown. Just a really, really nice game overall. Uh, obviously, you'd hope that the two-point percentage will come up a little bit, but, you know, the O of three is not anything to be upset about. And I thought he played his role wonderfully last night. Uh, we're going to continue on here and dive in a second into sort of a note that I, I kind of wrote down in my notes last night about how things just kind of seem to be coalescing. And it seems like the depth of this Raptors team is finally starting to emerge after more or less having seven guys you could trust all season long. If that we'll get to that in just one second here. But first, I do want to tell you about our friends over at Bet Online. It's that time of year again as college basketball's tournament is finally upon us. From all the latest odds, contests, and player props, BetOnline.net is the number one source for all your sports betting needs and info. BetOnline remains the best spot for all the scores, podcasts, and news this season, so you never make a bet in the dark. You're going to have all the information you need on hand from the experts as to what your proper bet should be whenever you're going to put money down. That's just the way you got to do it, baby. And it's not just basketball. You can go for live betting, Vegas casino games, baseball, hockey, everything in between. You got Canada World Cup qualifying soccer. Why not throw a little money down on this Sunday game against Jamaica? That one, I'm going to be at that one. It's going to be awesome. And I'm expecting Canada to win. And it's going to be a big time party. Why don't you make it an even happier occasion to win some money with Bet Online? Head to the website today. Use your mobile device. Learn more about the trends and the action at Bet Online. It is where the game starts. 
We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. And we continue on here with your first listen of the day, breaking down last night's win over the Cavaliers here. And look, I I kind of noted this a little bit in the last segment. I kind of want to dive into it now. It seems like the Raptors actually kind of have some depth now. And that is really nice. (laughs) After a season where the Raptors are playing their guys 42 minutes a night just to get by, where there's only six or seven guys on a given night you can trust, if that, when, you know, if the starting lineup has any sort of weak links on a given night, you're probably SOL when it comes to winning that game. That's not the case anymore. Uh, And, you know, they did this last night without Gary Trent Jr. He obviously adds a whole new dynamic to the team that no one else on the team can replicate as well. But you're just seeing now the bench is starting to make a little bit of sense. You know, Chris Boucher and Precious Achua, I think we've noted their development and their arc so far this season. Those guys have been the trusted duo. They got called out uh, in a positive way in Zach Lowe's 10 things over on ESPN today. Uh, and, you know, they're looking for he's soliciting nickname ideas for the duo. I called them the Chaos Boys last night. I don't know. I'm not very good at nicknames, but maybe there's something to be done there. Uh, either way, those guys have been sort of relied upon. You know, Kem Birch is kind of coming around, right? I don't know if he's going to start once the Raptors are fully healthy again. We'll see how they manage the rotations when Gary Trent Jr. gets back. Are they going to go with the small starting five? I kind of think they should, but maybe they opt for something different just to kind of sprinkle in some better players into the second unit. But Kem Birch looks like a functional center again. And, you know, he's not any great shakes or anything like that. I would still probably take Achua or Boucher minutes ahead of him, but... He has looked a lot more competent, a lot more comfortable. He's been screening like a madman lately, like the space he's giving to Fred Van Vliet. He's kind of mastering the illegal screen as well, just kind of sticking his hip out a little bit more. There were a couple last night that he got a, he got away with, which is like legitimately a skill, is screening illegally without getting caught. And he's doing that pretty damn well. You know, Ken Birch is a guy you can kind of rely on now to not give away minutes when he's on the floor and not be an active negative. You've got... Armani Brooks, who we're going to get to in the next segment, who's making some noise and has been a really nice fit to the Raptors' defensive scheme. And then, you know, other guys too. Malachi Flynn is not available right now, but when he's back, I mean, hopefully he can build on what he was doing before he got hurt with that hamstring. No idea when he's going to be back, but he looked like a competent guy who could play with your bench units and kind of organize things and keep things calm. And again, offer a bit of a spell to Fred Van Vliet from having to play all those minutes and they can get Flynn back for the last, I don't know, five, six games. Maybe I have no idea what his prognosis is. Um, but like that could be a, a bit of an avenue to getting Fred even more rest before the postseason. We'll see. And then you have Thad Young last night. I thought was his best game as a Raptor so far in particular, his work in the second quarter was at like, it was kind of the dream Thad Young experience. And I think it's, a, it's always been difficult. I was having this conversation last night uh, with Louis Zatzman from Raptors Republic. He was my press row buddy at the game. And we were talking about Thad and the sort of chicken or egg thing with him. He hasn't really played to the level where he warrants heavy minutes in, you know, starter heavy lineups or closing time or anything like that just yet. It's been pretty disjointed. It's been an awkward fit. It, I know for sure he fits somewhere on this team. I'm just not sure where that is just yet, but we saw last night in that second quarter, 
you know, playing alongside sort of a mixed match lineup with uh, guys from the starters, guys from the reserves. He just looked really comfortable and at home and kind of brought all the different elements that you are not surprised the Raptors have coveted for a very long time before picking him up this year. Of course, he had a couple little flip shots. He had the Duncan transition. He had a beautiful driving kick where he got super deep into the defense and kicked it up to Chris Boucher in the left corner. He knocked it down. Uh, you know, he had an eight one in one line over the course of about nine minutes to start that third quarter. And he was, or sorry, second quarter that is. And he was just really, really instrumental to the Raptors blowing things open a little bit and taking a lead of 10 into that second quarter. Um, you know, they were up eight after the first, so they didn't really blow things open necessarily, but that bench lineup performed quite well and they kind of expanded things out. So um, yeah, Thad Young, great to see. And I think again, you know, he hasn't gotten the, he hasn't played well enough to really warrant those minutes, but I also think his best minutes are going to come when he's playing with better players, when he's able to feed off of guys who can shoot and guys who have a really sort of high level of basketball in instinct and intelligence as well. You know, you stick him in with the starters and take out any one of the starters. And I think you're probably ha pretty happy with that as a lineup, right? I think, you know, I made the point, the Raptors with Thad at the five and you swap out either Gary Trent Jr. or Scotty Barnes, like that could be one of their best lineups, period. Like that, that that's, that's very much on the table with the way Thad Young plays and the way I think he kind of connects good players as opposed to having to have too much responsibility on his shoulders. Again, the, the comparison I've used is he's this year's DeAndre Bembry, but taller. <laughs> it's kind of, you know, Bembry was totally overextended playing with, uh, you know, bad players and having to be like the, the lead ball handler and stuff. But when he was able to play with good players as the fifth option to just kind of connect stuff and be the glue guy, he was really effective. And Thad's just like a better version of that and more sort of skilled and well-rounded version of that with a little bit more of a diverse skill set. So uh, pretty exciting stuff to see Thad come into form as well here. And the whole Raptors bench coming together in a pretty exciting and intriguing way. Um, you know, I, I do want to talk a little bit more about Fred Van Vliet from last night as well, if we're going through box score notes. Uh, you know, didn't have a crazy scoring night, just 10 points, eight assists. He had five boards as well. A plus 15, though, uh, the second best mark on the team behind Chris Boucher. And he really was the reason the Raptors were able to give Pascal Siakam the rest that he got. Siakam played just 32 minutes in this game. He had a little bit of foul trouble at the end of the third, but most of that, you know, rest came because they could afford to play with Fred Van Vliet and bench guys, and it was working for them just, just fine. I mean, Fred obviously is somebody you'd like to get rest for as well. 39 minutes is maybe not ideal, although I think he's very clearly kind of picking his spots within games. He's not you know, exerting himself on every single possession, which I think is wise to do. Uh, but he found his spots last night, in particular in that fourth quarter, playing with a lineup of, I think it was Brooks, it was Thad, it was Boucher and Achua around him. Like, that's not a lot of offense around him. And they did not score terribly well, but they did expand the lead. I think they outscored the Cavs 11-6 to in five plus minutes to start the fourth quarter. And then they kept that lineup out there after a timeout as well. Kind of a little heat check from Nick Nurse, getting a little bit more rest for his guys, uh, setting them up to blow the Cavs away in the last few minutes when Pascal came back in. Um, but Fred, in particular, had two moments where he got into the mid-range. And actually, there were three moments that I kind of highlighted from this stretch. One was he found, and actually this was in the third quarter, if I'm not mistaken, but it kind of feeds into what we saw in the fourth. It's all about his mid-range game, right? We've talked this season about how adding that mid-range game, that sort of easy pull-up 18-footer that feels like a layup for him, honestly, most of the time, that's been such a huge change to the way defenses have to worry about him. We saw... In the third quarter, there was a possession where he had kind of run a pick and roll with Ken Birch. He meandered a little bit over to the right side, couldn't quite find an outlet to find a pass immediately. It looked like he was just going to pull up for a shot. And because the defense was so worried about his mid-ranger, 
there was a pass to a streaking Ken Birch down the lane that just probably wouldn't be there at a different time in his career before he had developed that shot. And Ken goes down for the dunk in the lane. And then in the fourth quarter, he kind of does the Steve Nash thing to sort of meandering around the defense, sort of navigating the trees, pulls up for two huge mid-range buckets in this one as well uh, to you know extend that lead out and make it so it was pretty easy and comfortable for the Raptors to close this one, despite the Cavs, I think, in the third quarter, really kind of giving the Raptors a punch in the mouth. The Raptors punched right back, and Fred Van Vliet was a big reason for that. So not a huge scoring game from him, but... When you have OG on the floor, when you have obviously Scotty Barnes, who's taken on a little bit more of a ball handling role, when you have Pascal Siakam, who is clearly the best player on this team, is clearly the hub of the offense and the fountain from which all good things tend to spring, it's nice to have Fred Van Vliet able to just kind of pick his spots. And they're going to need that if they're going to preserve him. He has to be able to kind of choose where he's going to put the foot on the gas. And he certainly did in the fourth quarter of this one and help the Raptors pick up the win. Uh, so yeah, the, the depth has come together quite nicely, and it's kind of a cool phenomenon we're seeing right now, right? The whole story this season has been internal development. More or less, every guy on the team who's playing regular minutes, I guess non-Thad Young edition because he's not really playing right now, but everyone who's played regular minutes from the starters to Boucher to Achua, throw in Malachi Flynn if you want as well, there have been positive steps development-wise. And now we're seeing, you know, it's been a team that's been disjointed with guys out of the lineup. They've rarely been healthy and all together. The only thing that's only been 18 games with their ideal starting five, which is just not a lot at all. Um, you know, we're kind of seeing now all these different skills that have been developed over the course of the season. If they can get all these guys back on the same page and in the same lineup at the same time, all those skills complement each other a lot better than they did back on day one. You know, Achua is a much more refined player. He's not just pissing possessions away because he's being erratic and like overconfident. He's actually playing controlled. And, you know, he didn't even have a great offensive game last night. Just three of 10 didn't hit a three. It's been a couple games since he hit a three, but he was so good defensively, which is another huge development as well. He's just another defensive ringer. They can throw out on anybody, a center, a guard, whatever it might be. He's been that good as well. He's switchable. He allows him to play multiple different schemes. We know what Boucher's done and all these skills are coming back together. And it's just the ecosystem looks pretty comfortable for the Raptors right now and it's really a beautiful thing to see and it speaks to the sort of uh, the virtues of patience when it comes to team building you know over the course of a season you know not every team has this kind of very clear upward arc for development over the course of a season you got to kind of appreciate it when you see it and the Raptors tend to do this a lot more than most other teams and they've achieved it once again and I think over the final nine games here we could almost start to see the final form of whatever this version of the Raptors is going to be. You know, hopefully you get Gary Trent Jr. back. Hopefully Malachi Flynn can come back too. But even without those guys, we saw last night a team that got, what was it, 30-something? It was a math quick. Uh, 37 bench points, 43 bench points, Now, uh, if you throw in the garbage time guys as well. Um, you know, just a really wonderful performance from the Raptors overall last night. Just like everybody kind of did something to chip in for that win. And I think we're hopefully going to see a little bit more of that in terms of the depth for this team shining through as the season comes to a close. We're going to round things out on the other side. We're going to hand out the due to the game. And we're also going to check in on the state of the uh, Eastern Conference standings because boy, oh boy, things are tight. We are going to get to all of that in just one second here. But first, I do want to tell you about NBA Top Shot, which is the officially licensed NFT of the NBA. Connect with a community of hundreds of thousands of NBA fans as a natural progression of fantasy sports, a way to upgrade your experience as an NBA fan. It's basically like trading cards, except unlike trading cards, these aren't still images on cardboard. They are officially licensed NFTs of the greatest moments from NBA history. 
And you can, they have an airline loyalty program for the NBA as well. They flew collectors out to game five of the NBA finals based on having sons moments. They flew collectors out to the NBA draft based on having rookie moments. They got to have dinner with the first round picks the night before they went drafted because they got to, uh, they were on NBA top shot and they were getting access to these moments. They even got to play basketball with guys like Obi Toppin and Tyrese Halliburton. If you sign up for top shot today, the best way to start is by getting yourself a starter pack. You can pull an NFT of a superstar like LeBron or KD or star rookies like your boy, Scotty Barnes for just nine bucks. And if you didn't pull your favorite player from the starter pack, you can snag moments from the marketplace that appeal to you. NBA Top Shot is the future of being an NBA fan. Own officially licensed rare NFTs of the greatest moments from NBA history. Sign up today at LockedOn.NBATopShot.com. We'll continue on here in just a sec as well. But first, I tell you about Built Bar, who are also bringing the show to you today. We love Built Bar. They make incredible protein bars. They are delicious and they are good for you. And they help if you are like me, a very, very rabid snacker. I love snacks. I love chips. I love cookies. I have a problem. I eat like a monster. And Built Bar has helped me at least curb that habit a little bit because, you know, I try to eat healthy during the day, but at nighttime, you just got that inkling for something. Built Bar can be here to be feel like you're indulging, but you're actually not because their bars contain 130 calories, just 4 grams of sugar and 4 grams of net carbs and 17 grams of protein. That's like half the calories of a regular candy bar, an eighth of the sugar, nowhere near as many carbs. And the protein is wonderful for you as well. If you want to go for a workout, you want to uh, just have a nice little meal replacement instead of having a big heavy lunch or breakfast, a Built Bar is a wonderful way to go. They have flavors for everybody. My favorite is mint brownie, but they also have fruity flavors. They have nut and nut-free flavors. They got all types of stuff. They got marshmallow puffs as well. Go check out the site. They got limited time flavors that appear all the time. You can go to built.com, use the promo code LOCKED15 and get 15% off your order. That's the promo code LOCKED15, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5 for 15% off at built.com. And we round out the show with the final segment, the way that we close out every single episode of the podcast, the segment everybody's talking about is the dude of the game, a player from the Raptors who did not star necessarily in a given game, but was rather important to the end result. And that player is, of course, Armani Brooks, baby, who is now very, very close to entering the Rafer Alston Memorial Hall of 10-day contracts in Toronto Raptors history. It's a clunky title. We'll work on it. But Armani Brooks last night, after a couple of really uh, encouraging performances leading into it, I think had his best game as a Raptor last night. He played 19 minutes, six points, three boards, an assist, two steals, and a block. He was a plus eight, two of six from downtown. All of his shots were threes. It's kind of exactly what you want, man. It's a low usage and seemingly low importance but actually sneakily high importance role that the raptors are asking armani brooks to play right now and it's just like guy on the bench who is not afraid to let it fly they have so many guys who are shooting averse who do not shoot it well who are inconsistent and armani brooks while not like a great sort of marksman over the course of his you know g league and pro career has at least a stroke that he is happy to lean into whenever the ball comes to him. And he's getting open looks. I mean, all six of his threes last night were more or less wide open because he's just the guy the defense cares about the least. And then you throw in the fact that his defense actually seems to be the thing that Nick Nurse is most excited about. He was talking last night. He was asked about his shooting. He's like, yeah, he's happy to shoot him. He's got a nice looking stroke. It hasn't really, numbers aren't there, but the stroke looks good. But then he got like real excited talking about him on defense and the length that he has and the bounciness and the athleticism. It's not easy for a guy 
in any situation to come into this Raptors team and fit into what the Raptors want to do defensively. Think back to last year, the number of different guys that came in, Nick Nurse tried to play the same defense all season long, and it just was not working because it's a lot to pick up. There's a lot of responsibility for everybody on the floor to fill in for other guys when you need to go and make a rotation or whatever it is. And Armani Brooks has really kind of picked it up quickly here, and he is making some highlight plays defensively as well had a huge block last night the steals are big of course too i uh, had another block earlier this week uh in, in our last game which it's totally blanking on me who they played last the bulls the sixers who knows the, the, it's all a blur but yeah brooks looks really really excellent and he has not uh contrary to some tweets uh he has not been signed to a deal by the raptors just yet that was gross last night that sucked um not awesome if you know what i'm talking about Great. If not, I don't feel I don't want to share or relitigate it. But Armani Brooks has not signed a new deal with the Raptors or anything like that. He's still in the 10-day. But I think he's playing himself into why the hell not give him a contract through this year and next. Maybe similar to what we saw with Freddie Gillespie, right? Where they gave him a deal through next year. There wasn't a guarantee that he'd be on the team, but he was going to be at camp. He was going to have a fair shot to make the team. That kind of feels to me like what they should do with Brooks at the very least here. You know, you don't want to get too crazy about a 10-day guy averaging a few points a game and taking some threes, but the way he's fit into the defense is pretty encouraging. And we know Nick Nurse loves himself a sort of spindly guard who defends well and maybe doesn't have a whole lot of offensive juice. Although I'd argue Armani Brooks might have more offensive juice than Nick's last special boy, Patrick McCaw, ever did. So uh, I hope that we see Armani Brooks get signed to a, a full-time deal. You know, it's nice to have him, especially with Malachi Flynn out, just an extra guard who is not running possessions for them at all. But like, if you need him to dribble for you for a second, he has the wherewithal to do that. And of course, the happy trigger finger on the threes is really valuable as well. So, um, you know, again, I don't think he's going to necessarily factor into like postseason rotations or anything like that. It's going to get pared down, you would assume. But to get through the back part of this season, to have just some extra guard out there to help alleviate things for Fred Van Vliet, to offer a shooter out there who can fire them up when it comes to him in those bench lineups, which were really effective last night. Armani Brooks is doing exactly what you want to see. So shout out to him. He is your dude of the game for the very first time. And hopefully... Not the last. All right. We're going to finish up here. Uh, I just want to do a quick little check in on the Eastern Conference standings and where things sit. So the Raptors are now tied with the Cleveland Cavaliers at 41 and 32 for that six seed. The Cavs have the tiebreaker because they won the season series three to one. Wish that Boxing Day game could be replayed, but whatever. We can't go back and relitigate past time. Uh, that's fine. The Chicago Bulls got waxed last night by the New Orleans Pelicans and continue an absolute murderer's row of a schedule down the stretch. The Bulls now, like their point differential is now seventh best in the Eastern Conference. Like it's looking pretty dicey for Chicago right now. And the Raptors are helped a little bit in this race for the fifth and sixth, fifth and sixth seeds, that is, by the fact that the Bulls and Cavs play each other on Saturday while the Raptors get the Pacers, which is a big one. The Raptors got to get that one because next week they got the Celtics and Wolves. And I'm not saying the Raptors can't win those games, but those are tough ones. The Celtics are, what is it, 23 and four in their last 27 games. They might get the one seed. They're a game and a half out of it right now. It's all to play for in the Eastern Conference right now. But with the way the Bulls are playing, with the fact that the Bulls and Cavs play one another, I, and the way the Raptors look right now, I, I think you could maybe say the Raptors are in like the driver's seat despite being in seventh to get one of these fifth or sixth seeds. Like I would bank on it at this point. If I'm putting money down, I'm not banking on it. Like, Oh, here's my life savings or anything like that. But if I'm like going to make a bet on who finishes fifth, sixth, seventh, 
I'm probably saying Raptors in fifth or or sixth at the very least right now, considering how they're playing and, and how they match up. And the fact that seven of their last nine games are at home as well certainly can't be understated. So just a, a really exciting uh, last little bit here. It's fun to have like meaningful basketball. It feels like we're kind of watching a pennant race where every game matters. Uh, and not often do you get that in March. So I'm enjoying the hell out of it. However, it all breaks down. I mean, you don't want to play the Nets in a, in a play-in game. You really don't. I mean, maybe the Hornets get into that eight seed, but with Kyrie being able to play in home games as of Sunday, seems pretty unlikely that the Nets are going to drop out of that eight spot. So it's going to be kind of a desperate dash to get out. And some team is probably going to find themselves disappointed by having to play the Nets and probably eventually losing in that game uh, in that seven, eight. So yeah, it's a lot of importance on this, on these five and six seeds for sure where it factors in in terms of like the playoff matchups with the top half of the Eastern Conference is a whole new set of worms that are set of worms can of worms I don't you don't buy sets of worms uh but it's a whole new can of worms right like who do you want to play among the Heat Bucks Sixers and Celtics I can tell you for damn sure I don't want to play the Celtics right now they're horrifying no thank you uh but like I don't know. Do you want to play the sit the Sixers based on how the Raptors have played them? Do you want to play the Heat as they scream at each other and Jimmy Butler tries to fight Eric Spolstra? Maybe you do. And maybe that's on the table still, even if you get a five or six seed, considering that the top four teams in the East are separated by a game and a half right now. It's so difficult to predict or project. But I do think if you are sitting there thinking, trying to make yourself feel good about where the Raptors stand, it's pretty easy to feel good about where they stand when it comes to the race for the five or six seeds because they are clearly in the best form of any of these teams right now. Might have the easiest schedule. You know, them and the Cavs pretty much a toss-up, but the Raptors are pretty home-heavy. Uh, you know, I would say that the Raptors stand a pretty damn good chance right now, especially if the things we've talked about today, the Siakam, you know, experience getting even easier with OG's return, with the depth coming together, with the team kind of coalescing around one another – it feels like they kind of have the inside track here, which is a very exciting thing if you're in the market for watching playoff basketball, which I always am. Playoff basketball, good in my books. We're going to wrap it up there. Thank you so much for tuning into today's show. We'll be back again on Monday with Vivek Jacob for Monday's Big V Monday. We'll break down the game against the Pacers. We'll look ahead to a big one against the Celtics as well. I'll have a probably a recap podcast from the arena on Monday night uh, for Tuesday morning. I wanted to do that last night, but I forgot my laptop charger and my juice was low. So my bad on that one. But uh, I will record an episode from the arena on uh, Monday night to break down Raptors Celtics, which should be a really fun one. So you have that to look forward to. And uh, yeah, thanks so much for making us your first listen of the day. You can go make your second listen of the day. Locked on NBA is they're breaking down every single night, all that's going on around the league. You can also go listen to Locked on today. I was on Locked on today from the arena last night, breaking down the game with Peter Bukowski. Uh, it's our daily general sports podcast and all the biggest stories. And the Toronto Raptors, one of the three biggest stories in sports last night. There was lots going on. There was March Madness and there was the Toronto Raptors. And we talked about the Raptors with Pete over there on Locked on today. So go check it out on your podcast app or on YouTube, the same places you can find this very podcast and support the show that way as well. We'll be back again Monday. Have a wonderful weekend, everybody. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.